0: Thank you guys again for being here this morning. Today we're going to wrap up uh, this series that we've done the past four weeks of testimonies. We've called it "This Is My Story," and um, and as I was contacting and talking to everybody who's been a part of this these past few weeks, we we scheduled everybody to go when when they were available and when it worked out, and it just so happened that the Lord uh, ordered everything for Jim to be. Uh, to kind of help me wrap this up uh, this week but I think it's for good reason. God puts all of these things exactly in whatever order he wants them to be and we trust that. Um, But I'm really glad that Jim Cook's with me this morning. Uh, For those of you that don't know Jim, if, if you've been at Lindale for any amount of time you know absolutely who Jim Cook is. Jim has been a part of this church family for 42 years. He and his family and he has served every ministerial staff position in this church except pastor yeah yeah and 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 he would say he he would say what I would have said five six years ago there's no way I would ever want to be the pastor Um, but he has served as the youth minister he was some of you guys youth pastor uh, he's been the minister of music here. He's been the associate pastor, and he's even been the minister of recreation back in the day when ministers of recreation were a thing. Music and record, Oh, okay, yeah. And so, see, they even put one of those dual roles on him, which oh, we, we, we talk about in ministry, and we hate, we, we hate those. But um, he has been a fixture here, and loves this church dearly, and um, and I'm I'm really grateful um, that he's sharing this morning. I always. Like I say, every, every time we do one of these, I kind of have a theme verse in mind that I think of that sort of illustrates the story of the person that's sharing with us. And, and this morning, um, in my heart, it's Philippians chapter 4, uh, verses 4 through 7. Rejoice in the Lord always. I will say it again, rejoice. Let your graciousness be known to everyone. The Lord is near. Don't worry about anything, but in everything through prayer and petition, with thanksgiving, present your requests to God. And the peace of God, which surpasses all understanding, will guard your hearts and minds in Christ Jesus. That passage is very special, and there's a, a, a direct connection that I believe Paul makes in this letter between the peace of God and, and prayer. And I know that Jim has experienced that in a very real way uh, through significant loss, through significant um, tragedy in his life. And we as a church um, walked through that with him, and we experienced that with him. But um, I just felt like its I've seen it in Jim's life in a really supernatural way and in a way that I think just has such a strong testimony uh, for 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 how true these things are and how um, the peace of god that surpasses all understanding like what what that really looks like in real life and so um and it has to do with with the passing of his beautiful wife Bonnie and um, i loved miss bonnie so much she was a dear friend and if you didn't know Bonnie cook I hope that you are a believer and that you are looking forward to eternity because you will meet her then. If you haven't met her already, you will meet her in eternity and um, I can't wait for you to meet her if you haven't already because um, she's a beautiful lady and still is. I, I, I said at 8.30, sometimes we... We even tend to talk about people who have passed on into eternity in the past tense. And we talk about how great they were or what kind of person they were. The reality is she still is. She still is. She's still just as beautiful today and more so than she was when she was here. So all of those things are absolutely true. And I can't wait for you to meet her if you've never met her before. But um, I'm going to let Jim sort of share the nature of of his loss that, that is unique and different. And, and lots of us know that, but he's going to share that with us and, and just let him share his story of, of how God has just shown so much peace and grace in his life through, through that. Jim, I love you, brother.
1: Well, I'm going to start
0: a little bit unusual.
1: Uh, these events were in 2011. 2011. And on June 8th was Wednesday of Vacation Bible School. And later in the morning at some point, but before the day was done, Bonnie found me and let me know that our first granddaughter was about to be born that day, a little over four weeks early in Nashville. So Julie and Bonnie and I grabbed our stuff, jumped in the car, zoomed to Nashville for the birth of Julianne. Julian was tiny, yet her lungs worked, so typically with a preemie you've got to have oxygen, the NICU, the whole bit, she was perfect, but just so tiny, in fact when she came home from the hospital, she was only four pounds, and uh, At the time, I'm wondering, Lord, what's up? This baby coming early. We were glad to see her and, oh, glad to love on her. Absolutely. But at that point, things didn't make sense yet. Bonnie and I enjoyed being with them. Uh, We'd come home for a while while the uh, Missouri grandparents could come over and get a little loving, and then they'd go back to Missouri, and we'd be right back to Nashville. We played that game a while. And uh, great joy in having Julianne. Skipping on to June the 20th. That was a Wednesday. And we were going to sit down and have supper. We all sit down. We didn't sit at the table. We were sitting in our chairs going to watch a little TV. And Bonnie dropped a glass of chocolate milk on the floor. That didn't happen. And uh, I talked with her. I was fearful she'd had some type of mini stroke and uh, wanted her to go to the hospital. Let's just get you checked out. And she didn't want to because it was Wednesday night and she needed to get choir practice. So we negotiated a little bit and I said, then we'll go to Redmond because it'll be quicker to get into the ER. We'll get you checked out, and if you're good, we'll get you to choir practice. Okay. So she agreed. The three of us piled in the car and headed to Redmond. Talking with the doctor, he ordered a uh, CAT scan. Uh, He came back with the word that there were lesions on Bonnie's brain. At that point, the CAT scan showed two. Uh, ultimately, with an MRI, they found three tumors, and uh, then he left to work on getting us admitted, getting her admitted, and uh, we prayed, we, we joined our hands and just prayed a real simple prayer, uh, Lord, we don't know where this road leads, but we pray you receive honor and glory. Excuse me, I turn into a tenor sometimes. <clears throat> um, it was amazing that even during all of that, Bonnie and we had peace. What a gift. And... Uh, I found out in this process, for the first time in my life, I was incredibly dependent on prayers of other people. Uh, it's very humbling. Uh, I'm not I didn't care much for Facebook. I had an account, and that was about it, but I found it was a way I could communicate with our church, the school folks, and my family. And it was a good place to say, please pray for strength and peace.
0: And my goodness, God answered
1: that so powerfully. Uh... And as, as you, as you heard, heard,
0: we had a new newborn granddaughter,
1: granddaughter that, that was tiny. And so David was had uh, quit one, one job was and was interviewing or working on that with, that with the Fed. And, and so, so he was kind, was kind of off work. work. And, and he, he and, and, Hannah and Hannah and precious Julianne and we're ready, ready to, to come, come to Georgia. Georgia. And Sweet Eric, you uh, took, took them in. Them in. <laughs> they uh, they, uh, they opened up their basement, basement to Cook, cook clan, clan, a whole, a whole minute, minute and a half from our house. house. So, so it, it really worked incredibly, incredibly well. well. Uh, I'm sorry sorry, my my eyes eyes are blurring and and I'm having to get get close close. Uh, Uh, I appreciate appreciate so so much this church church. Uh, Uh, one one of of the many 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 things the church did and people did in addition to praying for us uh, you fed us so well Um, precious Trista Edge Took on the Herculean task of organizing the school family and the church family. And oh, y'all took good care of us. Such a blessing. Bonnie wound up on an oral chemo and having radiation. Uh, it took them a couple of weeks, and the doctor's scratching heads, and it's a glioblastoma. Well, no, it did isn't, because they're only single, and they said, well, this is three. Well, it can't be three, and finally, they agreed, whatever it is, we need to treat her. So, she had the chemo going, and the uh, radiation. Uh, we'd commute in uh, to town for the radiation. We were at home, and... Uh, To be honest, Bonnie wasn't improving Uh, where we had hoped the tumors would be shrinking in response to these things. They were not. And uh, instead of getting better, uh, she continued to get worse. And uh, I just had a real burden to get Bonnie's mom back over here. She had had back surgery back in 73 and uh, always had, she couldn't travel in a car far. Uh, so I called my brother and sister-in-law. My brother had a big car with a big back seat because to travel that far, meanwhile I had to lay down on the back seat. So for August 20th, which happened to be my birthday, but that wasn't why we did this, I... Uh, we did it because I felt an urgency. Uh, my brother picked up ma Bonnie's precious mom, uh, an incredible lady of, of love and grace. And uh, they picked her up, brought her here to Rome. We had settled in and were enjoying the visit. Uh, I had talked to Dr. Mumber and... Asked him a few days before, could he go ahead and give Bonnie another of the steroid shots because it would slightly reduce the swelling in her brain. All three of her tumors were placed in the uh, language center, and it made communicating incredibly difficult. Just so difficult for her. So uh, she was a little better, a, a little more communicative. And uh, we were having a good time, and then the front door opened, and I looked up, and here came David. He had been in Tennessee with an interview and, and all this stuff, but he came down to surprise us. In fact, he drove down and drove back home that night. But it was great to have David there, and we had a very special day together, a special time, uh, all the while not knowing that she'd die within five days uh, we were blessed to be able to borrow a van because Bonnie had gotten so weak, we could no longer safely move her into and out of the car from a wheelchair. Uh, just terribly difficult. So, uh, we had the van and, uh, the 25th, uh, there began to be smoke in the van. I was near the treatment center, pulled into the treatment center, parked. There was an electrical fire. Uh, it progressed. The lift gate for the uh, wheelchair, I had hit the button to get it down and get Bonnie out of there. And the electronics went crazy, and it shut while I was getting her loose from the restraints that were holding the chair in place. And it wouldn't budge. I went outside, tried that way to run it, tried the inside. The the stuff had fried. We couldn't get her out. By that time, the smoke was bad enough. She was unconscious. Uh, We did all we could. Uh, a guy there, one of the maintenance men came out and he tried to help me. Uh, And Bonnie died during that fire. Uh, I was standing there uh, just staring. And uh, a nurse named Amy, who took incredible care of us, she had before there, uh, with the radiation, came over to me, uh, made sure I knew I didn't need to stand there and watch, and, uh, we went around the building, it had been evacuated, and had a seat on a cement slab, and, uh, she kindly, gently, uh, Got me to agree to go be checked out at the hospital. Uh, I wasn't really worried about me. And uh, I said, Well, I'm just going to walk. It's just right there. And she wouldn't let me. Uh, Thank you, Lord, because that was the Lord taking care of me again. Uh, She rode with me in the ambulance the half block to the ER and uh, we went in and in fact she stayed with me until uh, Barry Henderson came in and said he was going to stay with me. She was incredibly gracious and I appreciate that. Uh, Barry sat down and I did make a comment or two about sitting on a gurney in the ER with the coroner sitting on a stool by me. Uh, I said, that that's brother. That's a little rough. Uh, but Barry Eagle Eye kept his eyes on that heart monitor. And uh, during that time, when Eric came.
0: Well, I remember as I'm hearing Jim tell that story, I'm, I'm remembering you guys who were a part of this probably could do the same thing you know you can remember where you are when certain significant things happen and I can remember um, I told Jim like it happened last week just such a vivid memory of things I was here in the office I was the only staff member that was in the office at the time we got a phone call from one of our church members who was an employee at the cancer center there at Floyd and told us that there was a vehicle fire in the parking lot and it's uh, involved Miss Bonnie, and Angie comes down the office to, and tells me that, and my immediate reaction was, oh, somebody's made a mistake. Um, somebody's gotten her mixed up with somebody else, um, you know, and so I, I, I remember saying to Angie, look, let's, let's not panic. I'm sure this is a mix-up. Let me just get in the car and go up there and see if I can find out what's going on, um, having no idea. That that this could be true. Um, got there, saw the aftermath of what was going on. There was still, there were still emergency people trying to take care of the vehicle, and um, Jim couldn't find anybody. Couldn't find Jim, but talked to some folks, found out where Jim was in the ER, and. And, the, and every minute that went by, it began, began to be more real, like, wow, maybe this has happened. What What in the world? And so when you're in ministry and you walk into a situation like that, when you walk into a hospital, sometimes there's many, many moments, though most folks think that we're always prepared, that we always know what we're supposed to say and what we're supposed to do. This was one of those moments where I'm walking down the hall and I can remember what the floor and the wall looked like as I followed the nurse down the hallway to to the room where Jim was and telling God I had no idea what to say. I don't know what to do here. I don't know what I'm going to find. And the nurse knocked on his door and as she opened the door, there's Jim and he's sitting on the gurney, sitting up. They've got him hooked up to um, machines and sensors and and as, I, as the door opened, and Jim looked up, and he saw my face, and the first thing I saw on this man's face was a smile. And he smiled at me, and he said, he said, oh, Eric. It was just a smile. And I walked in, and I said, Jim, what, what's going on? What's happened? And the first words out of your mouth, I'll never forget it for the rest of my life. He looked at me with a smile and said, Eric, she's free. She's free. And I saw such gratitude and peace and thanksgiving right in the midst of something that seemed like a nightmare to me. And and that's why this verse is the first passage that comes to mind. I have experienced the peace that the Holy Spirit brings in my own life through difficult times and loss, but I don't think that I've ever seen in front of my eyes a, a real life living, breathing picture of Philippians 4-7 any more than I saw in that emergency room when I walked into the presence of this man I don't think I've ever seen it in more real life than I did that day um, can't explain it there's only one source of where it came from but he knew and you had a piece that you knew exactly that prayer that you prayed with Bonnie at the very beginning of her diagnosis it was, it was coming true And you had not forgotten that. And that's what your mind was focused on. And I just remember it changed something in me that day.
1: When uh, I was watching the band, and the guy and I had backed up a little bit, and I realized Bonnie had died. God just gave me those two words. She's free. I probably shouted it. Uh, I'm blurry again. All right. Uh, back to the ER room. Uh, Barry's sitting there. And he's watching that heart monitor. And he says, how you feel? Uh, I had smoke inhalation. They had oxygen, this and that going. I said, well, my... my it's hard to breathe, my chest hurts, you know, but it's, it's the smoke and I'm coughing and it's helping. And uh, Barry said, but this changed, He's pointing at the heart monitor. He said, I saw it change. So he went out in the hall and he got some help. Wound up, I had a heart attack while I was sitting there and uh barry spotted it i didn't know what happened i i just thought the stuff i felt was the smoke inhalation and uh they did a heart cath and by the way those of you who know uh donna greer incredible lady she was my queer one of our cardiologists right hand nurse that went everywhere with him and she was in my sunday school class and Uh, I knew the reality that I better tell her what was going on. So before I let them do the heart cath, I said, first let Donna Greer and Mike Ware know what's going on. They said, okay. And they did. And by the way, very shortly they showed up. They gave their blessing on the heart cath, you know, the whole bit. But I didn't get in trouble with Donna. Uh, But it was reassuring to see them. Uh, they did the heart cath. Uh, they said I needed three bypasses, and I wanted to negotiate the stents, and they wouldn't. Uh, and really, they were ready to send me to Redmond and have the surgery quickly. Uh, they were quite concerned, and uh, I let them know that there would be a service for Bonnie, and I'd do that first because I knew the rehab after heart surgery I wouldn't be going to the service. And uh, so they transferred me to Redmond. And uh, while there, uh, all that happened on the 25th of August. Uh, The 26th, the newspaper hit and had a... uh, picture of the side of the building and the flames coming up out of the van and a story about it uh, that I had glanced at it and didn't really care. Uh, My son David had read it carefully and he was pretty ticked off because uh, they reported on the spectacle but didn't pay much attention to the person. Uh, and apparently he was calm enough he was able to communicate, and I'm thrilled with that. And uh, bottom line is he finally he got to speak to the person that wrote it. They were very open. They apologized. They said, I want to make this right. And uh, the lady went to work doing research, contacting folks here and there that knew Bonnie. And uh, the next day, another article, the next day, another. So the 26th, 27th, and 28th, there were articles. uh, Channel 11 picked up on it. They came up and did a bit. And all this is going on while I'm sitting there in the bed being allowed to do pretty much nothing. Uh, So uh, a lot of time to think And, and... Bonnie was the type of person who would never seek a spotlight. Like, she wouldn't want to be here. She'd want to be over there or over there. Accompanying is wonderful, but don't put the spotlight on me. And here she died in a a spectacle. Uh, Didn't make sense to me. And a couple of quotes from my son during those days. Uh, the first one is what he shared after he'd driven down. We contact, Amy, the nurse, contacted the school and got word to uh, Julie what had happened. Uh, Julie took care of letting David know, and he headed down from Nashville by himself. And when he got back and saw me in the hospital, he said, sometimes God uses tragedy to bring mercy. He had it. He had it. Uh, the 29th, we had our service. Pleasant Valley South was so kind to open up their church. Uh, our staff were just wonderful Uh people planned funerals I looked at the staff guys and said I want Tillman Eric to speak Kevin I trust you to pick what's appropriate you guys do what you feel led to do don't ask me anything it's on you you do it and they did incredibly little pressure on Eric in that he knew he was under a time constraint and he was preaching at Resolute pretty often Well, you know. But, yep, (laughs) it's true.
0: They all know very well.
1: And I'll go ahead and tell you, look up on our website under sermons. You can look up Bonnie Cook and hear that sermon. Uh, One of the best you've ever done, brother. And uh, David wrote a Facebook post on that evening after the service. And here's a little quote from it. He told that uh, the three newspaper articles had received 51,000 hits by the 29th, plus the Channel 11 coverage. And he put this statement, We continue to be in awe of how God is spreading mom's light far and wide. Wow. What a rich and powerful blessing. Uh, I was talking with a dear friend who had lost his wife, and we would occasionally have lunch together. And... Uh, We were talking about how when you lose a spouse, you are incomplete. Like a chunk of you is gone. And I remember saying to him one day, I'm not the man I was, but I'm not the man I will be. And we talked about how God would be gracious and God would help us grow and help us continue I received blessings from being involved in grief share for several years Uh, I learned a lot about grief that I didn't know Uh, and that was a rich blessing Uh, another rich blessing was God has given me more of a an eye on eternity God had changed my perspective. Uh, at one point, I remember as a young adult, a uh, family meal in ball ground, my hometown, and my sister was there. And she made a comment about her uh, one of her uh, teenage daughters that they were having a little tug of war. And in my great wisdom as a young adult with no children, I made some stupid comment. I don't even know what it was. But, but Ann, my sister, said, Uncle Jim, at our house, we major on things that make a difference a hundred years from now. See, my Ann uh, knew. She had short time. She had already lived several years with a disease they had promised her would kill her. And she had an eye on eternity. And she had already gotten my attention that day. Number one, to hush. And number two, to invest in things that make a difference a hundred years from now. And, uh, then when Bonnie died, that just doubled or tripled, uh, and I began studying more about eternity. Uh, I found it kind of tough to find information for a long time. And uh, one of the books that I found very helpful is titled The Real Heaven, and it's by Chip Ingram. And I have just found it incredible. In fact, I've read the textbook twice. I've listened to it twice in the car on audio. And I'll probably do it again. Just because it's good for me to get in my head that heaven isn't boring. Hollywood, and you remember the cartoons with the clouds and the angels and all the little... You know, this ethereal place that lacks substance or anything happening is not heaven. And, and the more I learned about heaven, the more excited I am about it. And to be honest, I'm excited to get to go. There's some things I really need to get done. But yeah, yeah, I get a picture of what in particular the new heaven and the new earth God has planned. And it blows my mind. And, and uh, Chip Ingram's book, The Real Heaven, why would I say it twice? I'd love it if you'd read it. Because it'll put a fire in you. Uh, it'll give you that sense of eternity. But that's one of the blessings I have received of all things from the loss of my precious wife. God's also been with me. Even though I would be physically alone a lot, I was never alone. And I could talk to God. And God would minister to me and encourage my heart. And I'm so grateful for that. Richly blessed through the prayers of others and the kindness of others. Uh, if you want to get me real weepy, do something kind. It just blows me away. Uh, and, And that folks prayed for us. That peace and strength. Let me mention, in case it hadn't hit you what God did, that little baby girl born June 8th was no accident. It was a gift. Our family get-together on the 20th was a gift. God never left us alone.
0: You guys thank Jim. I've always seen Jim Cook as a mentor in my life, and I think I think you can see why. Um, you know, there's a couple of other scriptures that come to mind and has come to mind this past week as Jim and I have talked and shared and remembered things. Romans chapter 8. Starting in verse 23, says, Not only that, but we ourselves who have the Spirit as the first fruits, we also groan within ourselves, eagerly waiting for adoption, the redemption of our bodies. Now, in this hope, we were saved. But hope that is seen is not hope, because who hopes for what he sees? Now, if we hope for what we do not see, We eagerly wait for it with patience. And that thing that we wait for, in 1 Corinthians 2 verse 9, says, But but as it is written, know what no eye has seen, no ear has heard, and no human heart has conceived. God has prepared for these things for those who love him. There are there are people very often when they hear stories like Jim's or others others that will ask the question and maybe someone's asked you this question. Where was God when all of this was happening? You know, where where was He? And it's so obvious. It's so obvious, but it's only obvious to those of us who have believed. It's only obvious to the ones who have experienced the gospel who know what a relationship with Jesus is and and what it means for us. It's so obvious that he he was there. He was there the whole time. He was there in that vehicle. He was there in that parking lot. He was in that ER. He was he was in every and he wasn't just there. It, it's not even that presence of God, like he's just hanging out in the corner, just watching and aware. It, it's it's the fullness of God filling every space. You know, when 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 the psalmist says that that the presence of God fills the earth, when when. When God's presence fills something, that means there's not any space where he's not. He fills it completely. And not just in the moment of that tragedy, but because the Holy Spirit has filled our lives. Because the Holy Spirit has filled our hearts and our minds with the truth of what God's word says. Then we can see people like Jim when we walk through something that seems like a literal nightmare and say how do you do that and there's no other explanation but what God's Word says that the peace of God that passes all understanding will guard your minds and your hearts in Christ Jesus and it's just such a powerful story it's a powerful testimony but the reality is and what I want you to know Is that it's not just that, that's not just the story that's in Jim's life. That can be the story in all of our lives. The fullness of the presence of God in our lives through a relationship with Jesus. And the fact that when things come that the rest of the world would 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 crumble under, that we can that we can not just survive it, but we can glorify Jesus in the midst of it. And we can say things like thank you. That's supernatural. That's a miracle. But it's only possible in my life. It's only possible in your life through a relationship with Jesus. And so this morning, if you if you're a believer this morning, and, and I'm aware that maybe you've you've gone through a loss in your life or, or experienced a tragedy, maybe similar to what, what Jim and his family have gone through. And maybe you've not able, been able to experience that. That kind of peace. It's not because it's not there. Maybe it's just that you've not been able to recognize it. That you've not put your put your eyes on it, been able to to see and hear what God's word says. And maybe this morning you want to ask the Lord to let you experience that peace and that assurance for the for the for the first time, maybe even as a believer. But But if you're not a believer, if you've never given your heart to Christ, what I want to say to you, it it sounds awful, but it's just the truth. Without a relationship with Jesus, you'll never even get close to experiencing what that's like. And so I want us to have a a time of response. I'm going to ask uh, Dan and the musicians. They're going to come, and they're going to lead us in a song. And, And during this song, I'll be at the front. And whatever decision, however the Holy Spirit, I know th- these haven't been sermons, but I'm fully aware, so aware of the fact that the Holy Spirit can be moving and impacting people's lives uh, in a in a really unique way through these these kind of times. And so whatever He's doing in your heart, whatever He's leading you, if it, especially if it's a to come into a relationship with Jesus for the very first time because you understand your sin has separated you from him and Jesus has come with his life and his perfect death and his resurrection to free us from the bonds of sin and reconcile us to God and you say I've never been reconciled to God before and I need Jesus I need his forgiveness that you'll come and and make that a public decision I don't make that happen the Holy Spirit does in your life right where you are you can give your life to Jesus maybe you want to pray maybe you want to come join this church family because the Holy Spirit's leading you in that direction be obedient that's what this time is always set aside for maybe you just want to come and kneel and pray maybe you want to come and pray a prayer of thanksgiving Because you have experienced the peace and the joy of the Holy Spirit even in the midst of a tragedy. Whatever it is that the Lord would have you do during this time, that's what we want.